Hello, I'm Christopher and I'm your host for today. And today I will be coming from Isaiah chapter 22, verses 20 through 25. And they read, Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Elkim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place. And he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. They will hang on him all the glory of his father's house. House, the offspring and the posterity, all vessels of small quantity from the cups to all the pictures. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, the peg that is fastened in the secure place will be removed and be cut down and fall. And the burden that was on it will be cut off for the Lord has spoken. And I want to use for a subject as trading places. The last shall be first or it's your turn. In this particular passage of scripture, God is dealing with the pride, greed, and the self-centeredness of the arrogant, how they will not let go unto death, how they have built up treasures for themselves and of themselves and have disannulled the law of God. They were called to weep and mourn. They were called to wallow in their shame, but instead they party and they say, we are going to die anyway, so why not? Disregarding Ecclesiastes 3, for it says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So they have taken God out of the schools, the public square, and set up for themselves governments and graven images and laws that exalt the ways of man and not of God. America was built on the foundation of Christianity, and the moral values of Christianity is God first. And if you distinguish the head, everything else follows. Pride rises and pride goes before the fall. So whatever exalted above the father will be led to destruction and that which follows it will be destroyed. Man will destroy self for he has nailed himself in a sure place, not considering God. For God will surely remove him, for the lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted. We as a people have allowed the treasure that we have stored up for ourselves to become more than what they are. They are a blessing from the work of our hands, for the Bible says, in everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. The work we do, the way we do it, and the attitude we do it in should be an example of love and dedication. How we speak to others should be pleasing in the sight of God. Now, that doesn't mean that people are going to like everything you have to say. That doesn't mean everyone is going to agree with you, like you, or gravitate towards you because some people are not going to like the truth. Some people are not going to like you being straightforward. But God is love, and he loves us enough to tell us the truth, knowing that sometimes the truth hurts, but even though it hurts, it heals. You see, God is not interested in comforting us on our way to hell. He's interested in healing us so that we make it into heaven. He wishes that no man perish, but that we all come into the knowledge of Christ, that we may all be saved. The truth is a prime example of healing because we can hold on to a lie for so long and it destroys us. But when the truth is revealed... We are set free. For the Bible says the truth shall make you free. A lie is deception, but truth cuts to the dividing asunder, bone and marrow, discerning the intents of the heart. The word is the truth. 
and it will make you free. And when you do not submit to the truth, you will find yourself in places you could have avoided if you had only yielded to it. You see, God makes the sun to shine on the righteous and the wicked. He sends rain on the just and the unjust, which means God can change your season at any given moment. But when you are high and lifted up with lofty looks and you fail to exemplify God, you put yourself in a dangerous place. And some people don't think their position can be taken away. Some people think that as long as they have a strategy that they will never be faced with failure. But the truth is God is in control. Your knowledge and your your wisdom can only take you but so far. What happens when your health fails? All the money in the world cannot fix that. That's when you need God's healing power. What happens when your marriage is on the rocks because of your obsession with work and making money that your spouse and children feel abandoned and decide to leave and pursue a life without you that causes the stability and the integrity of your home to collapse in the time when you need them the most. You see, God is a forgiving God if you are humble enough to ask for forgiveness. He is just to forgive. Some people are so prideful that they won't even ask to be forgiven, much less forgive those that have wronged them. I want you to understand something. When you forgive somebody, you take your power back because as long as you hold unforgiveness in your heart, that person has the power to change your mood, to change your attitude, and to change your whole atmosphere. But the minute you truly forgive, you take back your joy and your peace. We are the kingdom and though we suffer many things, no more has been put on us than we can bear. For God's grace is sufficient for us in everything we go through. He has made a way of escape. He has made ways in the wilderness. And even though we go through the fire, he has made rivers in the desert. You must understand the fire purifies us the way gold is purified. And the beating of storms tempts us the way a sword is beaten by steel against steel that ensures its integrity that the sword making it worthy for use in battle. How can you go to battle without being tempted or without going through the fire or test and trials in life? If you didn't go through anything, the minute you were put under pressure, you would break. Or as soon as temptation comes, you would fall. But because the pressure we have already endured in life produces oil for the anointing to flow and the hell you went through purified you and the things that should have broken you only made you stronger. You will be tested. You will be tried. You will make mistakes. You will learn or you will keep going through that same test until you do. You will prosper even as your soul prospers. You will grow and wax strong in the Lord. Your ceiling will become your floor if you want it bad enough. Your mandate will be recognized as you keep moving forward. The only thing that could hold you back from it is you. No one can stop you. No one can silence you. No one can cause you to fail but you. Jesus said, I pray that your faith fails not. You are predestined to win, but it takes perseverance to keep getting up every time you get knocked down. Perseverance to keep 
pushing when you feel like giving up. Perseverance to keep praising when all hell has broken loose. Perseverance to keep worshiping when it doesn't seem like he's moving at all. Perseverance only comes when you refuse to accept failure, when you refuse to accept mediocre, when you refuse to accept normal. We are a peculiar people, predestined for extraordinary. So you must understand that in order to carry the weight of a thing, you must be conditioned for it or otherwise it will kill you. The glory is no different for the glory of God comes with exposure, power, authority, recognition, fame. People will seek you out in order to get close to you. It holds a sense of importance because you have what the people are looking for. Your life will become an open book. People will poke in pride to get you to come out of character so that they may assassinate your character. Integrity is vital in this level of anointing. Everyone is not entrusted with it because everyone cannot handle it. From the least to the greatest, you must represent God. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act or react to a situation is critiqued in every way. Your life will be put under a microscope and analyzed. The Bible says it like this. To whom much is given, much is required. The fruit have to be evident in order to walk in this capacity of glory. I say this because I'm trading places. I'm coming from the back to the front. I am who God created me to be and no one or no principality and no demon in hell can stop it. There is a word hanging over my head that is being realized. There is an anointing on me that is being released and there is a mantle that is being placed on me and it comes with a mandate and that God has purposed I am the head because God said that I am. I am the lender because God said that I am. I am above because God said that I am. I am merely awaiting the manifestation. So what do you do in the middle of trading places, in the middle of transition? Well, you keep praising, you keep worshiping, you keep praying. In order to birth something, you have to keep pushing, pressing to him that your oil may flow freely, pressing to him that that you may see it, pressing to him that you may receive the strategy to be sustained in it. A blessing can get you there, but character will keep you there. Seeking him will keep you there. Reverence and prayer will keep you there. Worship will keep you there. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. The question is, who are you? And I'm going to leave two more questions with you. One is, what gift do you possess that the earth is in need of and how do you refine it to make it better? And the second is, how can you impact those that you are called to without it? Listen. We all have been blessed with faith. The Bible says every man has a measure of faith. Yes, faith suggests that it is the evidence of things not seen, but hoped for. Hope means expectation in the Hebrew. So faith is what do you expect to happen from believing. Believing is to think on a thing to be true. And the Bible says, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you think in your heart for something to be that is not yet, where does it come from? In the real world, when you think you are going to get a paycheck or you expect to get a paycheck, it is a result of work, right? 
And if faith without works is dead, that means if you expect to receive something without working for it, you are wrong. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. From the beginning, man was put in the garden to tend to it. He was made to work. The same way you work out your own soul salvation. So in retrospect, faith is an action word. You have to do something in any competitive sport. You condition yourself through exercise and practicing in order to be successful in that sport you specialize in. Otherwise, you will be on the bench because you have not put forth the effort to be considered worthy of competing in the sport. Check this out. The race is not given to the swift, but time and chance happens to them all, which means you must endure. And how do you build endurance? By being conditioned for it. The Bible within itself fulfills itself. The carnal mind cannot completely comprehend the Bible. Even after years of reading it, there are still some things that you won't understand unless God gives you the revelation of it. And the closer you walk with God, the more he expects from you. Each one of the prophets in the Bible possessed a gift that brought them before kings, and each one of them were rooted in God. It's not about how strong you look, for David didn't look as strong as his brothers, but his gift brought him before the king. And because his heart, he was made a king. It may not be in how well you can speak. Look at Moses. He was bought up in the palace, but rejected it because he knew that there was a greater fulfillment that he couldn't perform on his own. And God used him for every blessing that came to the children of Israel and every curse that came upon the Egyptians in Egypt was done through a man with difficulties speaking. It's not about you. God is not really concerned with you. His main concern is bringing heaven into earth. He is a spirit, so he is going to use somebody to do his will in the earth. Even after Moses did all that he did, the plagues in Egypt, the manna in the wilderness, made water come from a rock, split the Red Sea that the Israelites could walk across on dry land, went up the mountain and got the commandments from God and came back with the blueprint that God wanted him to use to build the tabernacle. And the list goes on and on and on. But yet after he dies, God turns to Joshua and says, take the people over into the land and I will give it to you. The moral of the story is your gift will make room for you. And as you refine it, it will bring you before great men, causing you to trade places. For the Bible says, the last shall be first. Just know that when it's your turn, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and the words spoken against you shall be condemned. But know that it will be tested, and though it tarry, wait for it. For in the end, it shall speak and not lie, because God is never lied. Y'all have a blessed night.